Now, this morning, we close out our shift series. And, and let's celebrate a couple things. Uh, first of all, so many of you have been doing things in your neighborhood. I hear the stories. God bless you. And let's also celebrate on a smaller basis that for six words, I've been preaching over the word shift, and I've not mispronounced it yet. It could be dangerous, my friends. You know that. I do have 20 more minutes, though, to get there, so hold on with me, all right? Now, I want to close out with, with the picture, I think, that shows the kind of shift that we're trying to make. On one side, you have this stationary bicycle. On the other side, you have a bicycle being ridden in a neighborhood. Now, can you imagine if you could go back to the 1800s and you could show the inventor of the bicycle what we've done to it? They would never recognize it because the purpose of it was meant to carry you somewhere. Now, the stationary bicycle has a lot of motion, but it doesn't take you anywhere. And guys, too often our church has become like a stationary bicycle. There's a lot of activity, but it's all in this building. There's a lot of motion, but we're just within these four walls. And the challenge of this series is we, we want to get back in our neighborhoods and our workplaces and be salt and light. Can you imagine if you brought Jesus back and said, Jesus, this is what your church looks like? My friends, they didn't even have church buildings back then. He would certainly not understand our language. I'm about to get up and I'm going to go to what? Church. Church was not somewhere you went. Church was who you were. You are a called, sent people. And so the challenge of this series is, let's get off the stationary bike and let's get on a bike that takes us out of this place into the nooks and crannies of our city to reach people for Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you of two simple passages that would get us moving. First of all is the passage we began this series with in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, here are the two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And then here's what we've been focusing on. And love your neighbor as yourself. We thought this thought, maybe Jesus really meant your neighbor, neighbor. To get out from this place and love the people you live around. That's the great commandment. Now, I want to remind you of the great commission that should get us moving. Therefore, go and make disciples. That word go there could easily be translated as you are going. You and I go to a lot of places. And as we go, we are to be making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I love this promise. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I love that. The famous author Rick Warren, who wrote The Purpose Driven Church, put it this way. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will lead to a great church. I believe that just those two simple commandments would change us. But, but let me say this. They are connected and they do work together, but I want to remind you today they are separate commandments. 
And, and I want to talk just a moment about our motives. Because I think this is really important as we're going out in our community. First of all, is what I call the ultimate motive. And that's our desire for people, for all people, to have a saving relationship with Jesus. And bottom line, that's why Jesus came to this earth. Bottom line, that's why Jesus has left us here, that we are to be the people who are desiring people to have this kind of relationship. But I also want to warn us about what I would call ulterior motives. What's an ulterior motive? It's a hidden motive. It's something someone doesn't see at first. And that, in our our context, would be this. Loving people only to get them to do what we want them to do. You see, we don't want to be like the telemarketers. You ever get frustrated with that? They call you and they tell you about this incredible new product and build you up about it. And then they put the the hard sell on you. And then you say, you know, I'd like to think about it. And they go, oh, no, no, you can't think about it. Either you accept the offer now or the price is doubling when you get off the phone. I never buy that. That makes me feel so manipulated, you know. You're telling me if it's a good product, I ought to be to buy it any. It's a good price, I ought to be to buy it any time. You ever felt that way? I remember when we were... I was moving from Tuscaloosa, and uh, I had a guy I knew him, and we were acquaintances. I wouldn't really say we were close friends. And a couple weeks before I moved, he started calling me, and he was complimenting me, like, buddy, I just want to tell you, I've always admired your ministry and admired the way you treat people and admired your preaching. I mean, I was like, man, this is a wise dude. And I was just, you know, just listening. And then just a couple days before I moved, he asked me out to eat lunch. Oh, man, this will be really encouraging. So I went to sit down to eat lunch. And you know what he did? He tried to get me in his pyramid scheme. What he had been doing all of that to do was just say, would you be a part of my multi-level marketing scheme so you can be under me and help me let make some money? You ever, you ever, had, you ever had that experience? How did you feel? I felt used. And guys, if people think, the only purpose that you being kind to them and loving to them is so they might come to church? Let's say this. Let's say you're inviting all these people to church next Sunday for friend day, and they don't show up. Here's the question is, are you going to treat them any differently? Are you going to your neighborhood, and you're giving, and you're loving, and they don't start giving and loving back, and they never experience Jesus because of you? Are you going to be colder in your neighborhood? My friends, if you are, you're manipulating Our command is not just to love people who respond to the gospel. Our command is to love everybody. We are commanded to even love what? Our enemies. You can can love people you don't like or who don't like you. And and so we got to watch out for these ulterior motives so that people understand that what we do, bottom line, is we love everybody. That's the radical thing about Christianity. Jesus said, Most anybody can love people who love them. It takes somebody special to love the person who doesn't love you back. Um, I want you to write down some things, I think, that will help us to get a handle on this. Uh, first, First statement, we do not love our neighbor to convert them. We love our neighbor because we are converted. We're the ones who've been changed. That's why we love them. I love this statement. Do not make your neighbor your project. Make them your friend. 
You ever felt like you were somebody's project? Listen to me, friends. People pick up on that. Just go be a good friend. And then it leads to this last part that's so encouraging. When people are friends, they naturally share what they love. And that's what happens, guys. When we build relationships, you're going to come to that point where they're sharing the things that are going on in their life, and you're sharing the things that go in your life, and they're going to share what they enjoy, and you're going to share what you enjoy. And it's in that context of friendship that you have an opportunity to talk about Jesus and talk about church. Because, guys, we talk about the things we love, don't we? I was visiting my kids in New York this week. I was on a, a subway, and I encountered this young man. He had a, a Stanford University shirt on. And so I began to ask him. He's from New York, but he goes to school out in California. I was asking him how he went there, and uh, he started bringing up football. And so he talked about different places he had been. And um, then I began to talk about football in the South. And he said, you know, I've always wanted to go to a venue in the South because I hear it's much more intense there. And then he, he began to, to say, I'd really like to go because I hear in the South it's more than a game. And then he started fumbling with his words. And then I filled the blank in for him. I said, it's a religion. <laughs> he said, that's what I was looking for. And guys, think about that. That's, that's actually a pretty sad statement that it becomes our religion. But guys, you don't have any problem going to the barber shop or going to the beauty shop or where you work and talking, you don't have any problems. Well, I heard a moment ago in the foyer talking about the latest game, right? Because we love our teams. That's okay. You know, you, you, you can't encounter me very long and I, with me not talking about my grandchildren. Indulge me just for a moment, all right? My, my, my little grandson, Taze, is four years old. He's here. And his mom called me the other day and said, you know, every day we walk in Taze's room and his light's on. He's sound asleep in the morning, but his light's on. And, I, and she's trying to figure out why is he cutting his light on. And the reason was they had painted his lamp together, and every night he'd cut it on. And when Laura said, Taze, why are you doing that? He said, Mommy, because this is the best lamp ever. You got to love that, don't you? I was with my grandson, George, and I can't believe this conversation we were having. We were talking about something. He said, Grandbuddy, we need to be more cautious about this. I'm like, where did you come up with that, man? And it was in context. It was right. And he, I did need to be more cautious, okay? And then my two, two of my little ones, Lalabelle and Sport, when they're around me, every 30 minutes, they say, cherry Pop-Tart, cherry Pop-Tart. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't have any problem talking about that because I love them. And my friends, when we come to love Jesus, we'll talk about him. Listen to this. This will just shake you up a moment. If you're not talking to Jesus, talking about Jesus to your friends, either that means you don't have a very deep relationship with your friends, or it means you don't have a very deep relationship with Jesus. That's convicting. Because if I can talk about Alabama football more than I can talk about Jesus, i got a problem. i got a problem. You see, it ought to be what naturally comes out of us. And when you build those relationships, when love is unconditionally, unconditionally, then they start sharing and you start sharing. So let me close you out of this series. I want to give you something to take home with you. I call this the blessed five. 
And, and honestly, guys, I want you to put this on your refrigerator or, you know, your mirror or some of you tape things on your dash, okay? Put it on your dash. But if you had not taken notes to this point, please open your bulletin up right now. And on the bottom, I want you to cut this out and put it somewhere. Because what we've got to guard against really strong right now is this just being another message series. And we don't really make the shift. So here's how we do it. And these will be sequential. The B is begin with prayer. When you're in your neighborhood, begin with prayer. When you're at your school, begin with prayer. When you go to work, just start praying. God's the one that's going to open doors. You know, if we're like the telemarketer that's saying either you buy it now or you'll never get it, we don't understand that God's in control. He may bring you in their life. Two years later, he may bring somebody else in their life. You don't know. But you begin with prayer. Now, when we started this series, I challenged you to pray a pray, prayer that I hope has changed your heart. Lord, help me to love our city. Help me to love Montgomery the way you love Montgomery. I want, I want to give you a more specific prayer. Father, help me to see people the way you see people and to love people the way you love people. Say that with me. Father, help me to see people, you see people, and to love people the way you love people. My friends, that'll change everything. So, first of all, you begin with prayer. The L is you learn their name. That's a big deal, guys. You know, the old Dale Carnegie quotation was, the favorite word to every man and woman is their name. We appreciate it when someone learns our name and they, they know it. And so, you know, as you've been going around your neighborhood and meeting people, start learning names. Often, I'll be honest, I don't learn the name because I don't do the next one. Is um, engage in conversation. You see, the reason I don't learn the name is it's not because they don't tell me their name and I don't tell them my name. It's that I'm in a hurry. I got something to do. And so they say it, and I say it, but I don't remember it. And, and guys, the key here is that we must begin to engage people. And that means I've got to slow down. That means that, that you don't get right out of your car into your house. You leave the garage door op- open. You walk the front yard. You walk your neighborhood slowly. You begin to engage in people. And, and while you're engaging, you have slowed down enough to really start building a relationship. Listen to me. Marriage, friendship, you name it. No relationship is based good on a hurry, in a hurry. Doesn't happen. But you slow down and you begin to engage in those conversations. And now you're listening for their name. And then uh, I think this one's really helpful. Seek, I guess that's the right word, seek to be helpful. Okay? You've been engaging conversations. You start finding out things they need. And you just go do it. Or you see them needing help unloading something. You get out of your car and you help them. Or you see they're needing some help with their yard work because their lawnmower's broke. You do it. You know, I pointed out a coach in first service, Tim Perry. Him and Gail, he's the head football coach at Wetumpka. And number one, they're having a great season. And number two, they have those kids in their home all the time. A lot of these are underprivileged kids. They're becoming like parents. I see Patrick and Katie Beth out here. Same thing. Man, they're, they're you know, they're, they've, 
They're loving on people. They're being helpful to people. And guys, that's what begins to open doors. And that brings us to the last part of the blessed five, which is to share your stories. As you get to know names, you get to know people and get engaged with them, before long, they're going to be telling you what's exciting in their life, and you'll be telling them what's exciting in your life, and they'll probably tell you what's not so hot in their life, and you can tell them what's not so hot in your life, in their life, your life. And before long, you start knowing each other on a deeper level. And guess what? When you share your story, Jesus is going to be a part of it. You know, my life was this way, and then I met Jesus. Or let me tell you what church does for me. You know, why I act this way. They're going to go, at some point, I found neighbors who go, why do you guys go to church so much? What an open door. And what I love about this, guys, it's, it's, it's non-obtrusive and offensive. It's not like you're saying, do you go to church? You ought to. It's not saying, do you know Jesus? It's saying, hey, this is what he's doing in my life. And before long, that opens the door. You see, guys, here's the way those two commandments work together. The great commandment creates the environment for obedience to the great commission. So put those somewhere, and let's start living it out. So I'll remind you of two passages as we conclude. First of all, back to Luke 10, 27. Go to the second slide. Just that simple commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we said at the beginning of this series, what in the world would happen if we began to simply get better at obeying the top two commandments, to love God and love people? Because it would be radical. You know, in the middle of this series, I got a great reminder of what this love your neighbor meant. On September the 1st, I did a funeral service for Aline Bowling. Pete and Aline were next-door neighbors to Randy and Donna Stroop. Randy and Donna have been long-term members here. They lived by Pete for 22 years. He married Eileen 18 years ago. And they became really, really good friends. It didn't start off that way. First thing that happened is they had a dispute about their property line and who had to cut what. He was actually a little bit difficult. But before long, they got to know them so well that Eileen would just go and plant flowers in their flower beds. And Pete said to her one day, said, don't you think you ought to ask them before you do this? And she said, no, they won't mind. And they didn't. Their yard looked beautiful. And before long, they became their brothers and sisters in Christ. And it didn't happen quickly. Actually, the first thing they invited them to was when our children's ministry used to feed the sanitation workers once a year. Invited them to come help cook burgers, and they enjoyed that. They wouldn't come to church still. Then they got them involved in their great life group in Delrada, and they really started getting to know each other. And before long, they were here and part of us. Now listen to me. If Randy and Donna had not been good neighbors, we wouldn't have been rejoicing on September the 1st because we knew where Aline Bowling was. So let's love our neighbors. And this will be reminded before we close out here of the greatest motivation. We talk about being motivated. Here's a simple statement, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved. Because all of this is a response to the love of Christ. Now, if you're missing out on the love of Christ, none of this is going to work. If you've got the love of Christ, this can be powerful. We love because he first loved us, and it flows out of us. I, I, I love this story. 
back from the 1980s when the AIDS epidemic just exploded. And nobody knew how you contacted it. Nobody knew how to cure it. And there was this saintly woman called Mother Teresa who went to Calcutta, India and had a house just for men with AIDS. And so reporters from America went over there to visit it. They wouldn't dare go in because they weren't going to touch the men. And Mother Teresa came out the front stoop and they began to ask her about her ministry and what she was doing and she told them. And finally one of the reporters just exclaimed, I wouldn't do what you're doing for all the money in the world. And that little lady said this, Neither would I, but I would do it for Jesus any day. It's the love of Jesus that compels us. And so this morning, if you feel like you're on a stationary bike and you're not getting anywhere and you need prayers about getting out of this building, into your school, into your neighborhood, into your workplace for Jesus, why don't you let us pray for you right now while we stand together and sing.